Now, in this message, the title is The Church of God, The Church in the Triune God. And the basic thought is this, that we will consider is the relationship between any local church and every local church and God. And I would ask some of you to reflect or think upon some of your early experiences when you came into the church life, whether five years ago or 50 years ago. I believe many of us can say, when we came into the church life, we not only had the feeling that we are home, this is really an expression of the body, Many of us also had the sense, I'm contacting God in a way I never did before. I'm with God. And we'll see it. I'm in God. When Paul wrote epistles to the church in Corinth and then to the church in Thessalonica, he used words that are the basis for this message. In 1 Corinthians 1-2, he called the church in Corinth the church of God. And then we'll see something, oh, utterly wonderful in both First and Second Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul says, I'm writing to the church of the Thessalonians. That's in Thessalonica, composed of Thessalonians. And then he said, you church are in the Father and in the Son. This is the thought here, this realization. It does not matter on the size of the church. It does not matter of the composition of the church. When I entered the church life in the fall of 1966, it was in the church in San Francisco, and the members of the church were 98% Chinese. Some were bilingual, some were not. And now there were five of us that were not Chinese. I didn't feel strange. This is the church. This is where I belong. But now we want to emphasize the practical way of being in God is to be in a local church. This is what the Bible reveals. So let's look at these two points in the two sections of this longer outline. The church is the church of God. The church of God, which is in Corinth. Now consider what comes to your mind when you hear the word Corinth, the church in Corinth. Would you like to be in uh, that kind of local church? There were many almost complete divisions among them. Okay. And then you've got um, before the Lord's table, there would be a love feast. And the rich ones brought in gourmet food and the poor ones didn't have anything. And some got drunk by the time they started the Lord's table. And there was confusion about the gifts of the Spirit. And some brothers were suing other brothers. We may wonder, what, what, what a, wait a minute now. How can this be? 
the church of God with people like this? Well, Paul later addressed the condition of the church. He said, I couldn't speak to you as grown up. You're just so young, so immature. But because they were believers, because they were baptized into the triune God, because they were following the apostles' teaching, because they were meeting genuinely as the church, their standing was, you, the church in Corinth, are of God. You read chapter 1, verse 2, Paul goes on to say, you've all been sanctified. That's why we call you saints. That we need to see, there's an important lesson here. We need to see the standing, the position of every local church. And then, as the Lord leads us, we may minister to care for the condition of the church. But some come into the church life, they have their concepts, they have their dreams. Oh, the real church will be this, will be that. But let's take it easy. First, do we have the ground of oneness? Yes. Okay, are these genuine believers born of God, have Christ in them? They've been baptized into the triune God. They're meeting in oneness. This is the church, regardless of the condition. Doesn't mean the Lord isn't very concerned about the condition. But it's based upon the standing, the position of the church. So it's the church of God. But it's in Corinth. A difficult city to be in. Now let's see some details. The expression, the church of God indicates Not only that the church is possessed by God, but also that the church has the nature of God. Okay. The dear saints throughout the UK. The Lord is blessed very much raising up churches. I remember their visiting I think it was 1983 for two weeks. There was nothing in the South. Even religious enemies were saying, we are guarding the South. These local church people aren't coming here. Well, look what the Lord did. And it's not that there are so many more churches. That's wonderful. And so many more saints brought in through the ministry of the word. That's wonderful. There's more God. There's more God in London. There's more God in Birmingham. And the same as any other place, because the church is of God. It has the nature of God. It is constituted with the element of God. This is a great light. It gives us a fresh view of all the local churches. When I visit, I don't have a critical spirit, a judgmental attitude toward anything. I don't have any interest in knowing this or that about the condition. This is the church of God. These are children of God. They are saints. This church is of God. It has the nature and element of God. Do you all believe this about all the local churches? Oh, don't think, oh, I go to Taipei, then I can really say, wow, how many meeting halls and how many thousands of saints? Well, yes, that's the church of God. But 
go to Helsinki, Finland. You should have the same sense. This is of God. To be here is to be in God. The nature of God is here. Not just a bunch of Finns and others living in Finland with their sisu. There's the nature of God, the element of God in all the churches. I don't know about you, but even as I'm talking about it, I'm getting kind of revived. But the local churches are wonderful. They are of God, all of them. The nature and element of God. The churches of God, because it is produced of God as the source and has God as its nature and essence, which are divine, universal, and eternal. God is the nature and essence of the church. God is the nature and essence of the church in Stockholm. Do all the things there in Sweden, do you, do you see this Stockholm that way? Yes. Yes. The content of the church essentially is God himself. That's why I emphasize to come into a genuine local church is to come in something that is of God. When I visited Rome, that was after we had an elders training in the UK. And I was in you know, around the holy places, I absolutely did not have the sense that I'm in God. This is of God. Rather, the feeling is this is all from the enemy. I'm glad the Antichrist is going to destroy the whole thing eventually. But you come to a little gathering and you realize the content of this church essentially is God himself, wherever you go. The first time I went to Russia, the same feeling. The same feeling. Now I'm in Moscow. Now I'm in St. Petersburg. All these people speaking a language I never heard before. I'm in God. I'm going to say this again and again until, uh, until I just want to go on to something else. The church of God. B, 1 Corinthians 1, 2a speaks of the church of God, which is in Corinth. Not just in the heavens. It's in a city. The church in Corinth could be called the church of God because the divine essence which makes the assembled believers, the church of God, was actually there. Okay. But where is it? It's in Corinth. It's in Paris. It's in Berlin. It's in Tokyo. It's in Los Angeles, including Hollywood. What a degraded place. It's in San Francisco. Maybe the most sinful city on the earth. San Francisco. No wonder if another earthquake is coming after the saints are raptured, we hope. But in all of these cities where there are churches, you have something of God in such a locality. The locality of Corinth was for the existence, expression, and practice of the church. Such a locality becomes the local ground of the local churches on which they are built respectively. Three, the church is constituted of the universal God, but it exists on earth in many localities. So we need to put these together, just as Paul did. The church 
is constituted of God. But now the practice is local. And uh, do you know of any um, holy city, pure, moral, anywhere in Europe? Can you can you invite me to a place where well, every, everyone is here? No one steals. No one lies. Everything tells the truth. There's just love for everyone. There is peace. All the different races get along. They love each other. There's no place on the earth. But what a powerful testimony that in all these cities, there is the church of God. So in NATO, the church is constituted of the universal God, but it must be on earth and localities. In nature, the church is universal in God, but to practice the church is local in a definite place. And we're all in a definite place. Little b, the church has two aspects, the universal and the local. Without the universal aspect, the church is void of content. That is very sad. And in our history, it's been rare, but there have been times when this particular local church is really empty. It's empty. It doesn't have content because it doesn't realize they're part of the universal church. They are the local expression of the body of Christ. So we need to be aware of the universal aspect to have content. But the next point balances this. Without the local church, it is impossible for the church to have any expression and practice. So without the local churches, God has no way to work this out. This is what he has ordained. So one thing the enemy did throughout several hundred years of history was to change the nature of the church in its practice. Look at the apostles' time. You have local churches, expressions of one body. 500 years later, What is there on the earth? No more local churches at all. Just the apostolic Roman church with a pope and a hierarchy and cardinals and archbishops and bishops. What degradation is that? Then we say with Luther, the Lord began to move a recovery work with the Reformation. So instead of apostolic Roman church, now you have state churches. And then you have independent groups. Then you have the brethren who see the truth concerning all these divisions and they leave it all. And they are gathered together in the Lord's name, have no clergy laity system. But eventually, they divided hundreds of times because of doctrine arguments. And then many, countless preachers, they say, well, we can't go back to the beginning. That's how it was in the Bible. We have to live with the way it is. Uh, But in heaven, like I mentioned before, we'll all be one. We'll drop the names. But God does not agree with that. He said, I have to have a way to work out my eternal purpose to build up the church as the body of Christ. And I can't get through in the U.S. And sorry to say I can't get through in Europe. I'm going to China. 
Yeah, I'm going to China. And the Lord did a wonderful work of recovering the truth and practice of the local churches in mainland China. And then it began to spread to the West. And what a blessing it has been for us to be on this receiving end. And I feel so sorry. I say this as a sidebar for so many genuine believers in the United States, but they have a certain kind of racism. They don't trust anything that came from China. How sad, how sad it is. What mercy is shown on us that whatever the Lord does in a certain part of the earth is for the whole body. I'm so glad he went to China, recovered the local churches. I'm so thankful to him that in the spring of 1966, after two years of being in the wilderness under the Lord's discipline, I made a decision on a Thursday night in a library in Detroit after I had been studying all the different denominations. And I realized they're all the same. I am leaving the entire system, the entire system of religious organized Christianity. I have the leading of the Lord to move west to California. And that's what I'm going to do. And it may sound crazy, then I'll let it be crazy. I'm leaving this. And my seminary friends and even some of my professors were shocked. They thought, what happened to this man in California? Is he a hippie? What has happened to him? Do you want to know what happened to him? I got there. I met some saints that were from the church in San Francisco. And the Lord brought me into the local churches and my whole life changed. Marvelous. And so many of us can give this same testimony. Maybe there could be a time when we just learn from one another to hear one another's history. It's so inspiring. Well, what mercy the Lord would give me this intention. My parents didn't understand. No one understood. And I had to write back to my seminary and to my denomination to sever things and to, you know, and to to have some fellowship with some of my previous teachers. And I remember this letter, which I had kept it, for this dear brother. He said, Ron, I read your letter concerning where you are. And I'm in my office alone late at night, and I'm asking myself, can one man be right and the entire denomination be wrong? And when I read the letter, I said to myself, yes, yes, because the truth is what's right. And so... Christ loved the church. He gave himself up for her. And this Christ has established the local churches. And without them, there's no way for God, for his will to be done, for the body to be built, for the new man to be manifested, for the bride to be made ready. So we are both universal and local. We are universal, but we have to be local. And now that we're local, we're also universal. See, a genuine church is of God on its local ground with the saints as the constituents. And what a variety of believers the Lord brings together, huh? Oh, different cultures, different dispositions, different this and that. And this put us all together. Now, I hope it's okay, I'm going to address this brother, because every time I see him, I like to point and say, oh, more Christ. Now I see Paul from one part of the earth, and here's Ron from a different part of the earth. 
and we're brothers. It's just marvelous. And we are constituents of the church. And, and I do miss, oh, the feasts. I just long to have another gathering in the ministry conference center where four and five thousand saints from all over the earth coming together. We are the constituents of the church for the Lord to have the reality of the body. I don't want to use the word excited. I wouldn't say I'm excited. And I don't know what you're thinking and how you feel. I'll leave that between you and the Lord. I'm just rejoicing and inwardly dancing that I'm in the Lord's recovery. And I'm in one of the churches. And I can fellowship with you in different churches. The Lord saved me not only from the world, but from Christianity. Oh, praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah. What mercy to us. Okay. Okay, I'll climb, calm down just a little bit. You know, I'm still clear. We just, I'm going to let the spirit flow. Okay. There's a time just to rejoice, to lift up our hands and praise, to worship God, to thank him from our whole being of the billions of people on the earth, the tens of millions of Christians. He called us and brought us here to be in the local churches and to be in something that is truly of God. When those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, the called saints, are the constituents of the framework of the church. Two, to the church of God equals to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. This indicates that the church is a composition of the saints and that the saints are the constituents of the church. I am now looking at saints. You don't need the Pope to declare you're a saint. Paul told us we are saints because we have been sanctified to God. Be a genuine church is related with all the saints who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in every place around the globe. Okay, one. We are related by God to every kind of Christian. And no matter where we are, we cannot be isolated from them. It is very pleasant. Uh Uh-oh. It's very pleasant, just in our daily living, just to meet another believer. I remember just uh, these two experiences of many. I am in the airport in Atlanta, and I'm flying on Delta, so I go to the uh, the room they have for some flyers, and I had to check into the front desk, and there was an African American woman, and I could tell right away. I said. There's another person living in you. And she knew what I meant. I met a sister. I was so glad to meet another believer and to confirm that Christ is in them. And one other time, this goes back about 28 years, when in the evening I was teaching a little bit in a community college, And before the the semester began, all the teachers had a time together. And before this time together, we had a simple meal. And I was sitting down at a table with many teachers. And then uh, a middle-aged woman came and sat down. And she bowed her head. And I could tell she was praying before eating the food. And then when she 
lifts her head and opened her eyes. We're, we're on the opposite ends of the table. I looked at her and said, Amen. And right away, we had a little fellowship. We are not divisive. We are not sectarian. We are related by God to every kind of Christian. Even if a Roman Catholic priest came to the Lord's table meeting, we would receive him as a brother. Actually, John Nelson Darby, when he attended the first brethren meetings, he had on his robes of the Anglican Church. They recognized he is a brother. This is part of our testimony. If you're born of God, you are of God, we are one. And often they ask, you know, where do you meet? What church do you meet in? I don't know what we should say, but I appreciate the answer that someone gave. Uh, the. No, no, no. I asked you, what church do you go to? I told you. The. What do you mean, the? Well, the church of God in Corinth, the church in Ephesus, the church in this place and that place. That's what the Bible says. And so, I meet with the, and we receive all you believers. This is our heart. We have a large heart. Little two, being related with all the saints keeps us from being sectarian, isolated, or divided. And every once in a while, the Spirit will test us. You know, someone comes into a meeting with us, and they bring a tambourine. They just like to sing with the tambourine. You wonder, are we an anti, are we a non-tambourine church? Are we an anti-tambourine denomination? So every once in a while, the Lord will give us a test of whether we just receive this believer as a believer. Okay, you can play the tambourine. Sometimes we sing some lively songs. Do come, oh, do come. This is the spirit and the bride. And so the point I'm trying to make is, and I believe the Lord is concerned about this, that we really, truly know how to relate to all genuine Christians. But we do not proselytize them. We do not make the church an issue. We don't hide anything. We receive them all. But we're not trying to convince them to become part of the brother Lee said this strongly to the co-workers he said any brother who makes the church an issue with other believers he is not my co-worker but we don't hide what we are we are what we are e the genuine church has been called by god the father into the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ. In this fellowship, we partake of and enjoy the Son of God as the embodiment of the triune God. So now we're in the church of God, and God has called us into the fellowship of his Son. And fellowship is really the flowing of life, the flowing of the all-inclusive life-giving spirit flowing throughout the body. And this is our fellowship. And we partake of and enjoy the Son of God as the embodiment of the triune God. 
the first time in my Christian life, I began to hear about enjoying Christ. Enjoying Christ. It was just not part of my vocabulary. Enjoying Christ. I knew the Presbyterians, the Calvinists, they follow what's called the Westminster Confession, a big book of doctrines. And one of the opening questions is, what is the chief end of men? In other words, why do we exist? You know, why were we created by God? Then they give the answer to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It's there. But I never met anyone who was a Calvinist who enjoyed God even for one minute. There's no such thing. But when he came into the church, we came into a realm of enjoyment. Is this not the case? Cannot so many of you say this was the case? Yes, they prayed out loud. They said, Amen. They would sing in such a way. And now I find out that they are praying using verses from the Bible and they call on the Lord. But there is joy here. When I was 19, something rather drastic had happened to me. And I made a decision inwardly concerning human life. There is no such thing as love and joy. Human life is just one degree of suffering and meaninglessness after another. But deep within, I still had the Lord's call. But after I began to be part of the church life, I discovered, oh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We can enjoy him. This is the place of joy. And then I remember being deeply touched to the point of tears when we're singing hymns in the Lord's Table meeting in Los Angeles. And we sang words like this. Come and rejoice with me. For I have found a friend. Who knows my heart's most secret depths. Yet loves me without end. And I realized. I have to have a change of mind. Because I felt before. Anyone, no one who knew me could love me. But now here, I found the one who knows me, everything. Come and rejoice with me. I, once so sick at heart, have met with one who knows my case and knows the healing art. Just these hymns, seeing it, With a few hundred saints, I discovered, wow, there is not only joy here, not only life here, not only light, not only truth. This is love. And I am so glad to be a brother in this family. So this is because we're called. Into this enjoyment, all of us. And point two, in order to call us into the fellowship of the Son, the triune God passed through a process the Father selecting, the Son's redeeming, and the Spirit's sealing. And here we are, called 
And maybe the Lord will call us all anew in a fresh way. Come into the fellowship. Come into the enjoyment. Let go of so many other things. Come and rejoice with me. Now we make a turn to something much deeper. And that's in 1 Thessalonians 1.1. 1, 1, and the same in 2 Thessalonians 1.1. 1, 1. The church is in the triune God. Quote, the church of the Thessalonians. In God the Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we call someone living in uh, Stockholm and Uppsala? Upsalonians? Are you, or Ypsilonian? What are the Stockholmites? Stockholmers? I guess in Anaheim we're called Anaheimers. I don't particularly care for that. Anaheimers. New Yorkers, San Franciscans. I don't know, what what is it about London? Are they Londoners, Londonites, Londonians? I I don't know. But here we are, just these people. Outwardly, we are different people. So it's the church of, let's just say, okay, the Stockholmians or the Stockholmers. But you, dear saints in Stockholm, you, as the church, are in the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ right now, right this minute, in the triune God. Now, this involves something quite marvelous. No one can enter into the Godhead. We cannot enter into God himself. Paul says he dwells in unapproachable light. But we know from Matthew 28, we have been baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is the triune God process and consummated to be enterable. He can enter into us, and we can enter into him. So to be in a local church, composed of the people where you live, we need to realize this church of the Helsinkians, the church of the Muscovites. Do you know where you are? You are in God the Father. You're not only of God, you are in God the Father. You are in, listen, the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been baptized into him, have you not? Yes, in Acts, they baptized in the name of Jesus. We have all been baptized. We have been immersed into the triune God. Now we are the church in the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. In First Thessalonians 1.1, we have the revelation of the tremendous fact that the church is in the unique God and that this God is our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is not only of God and of Christ, the church is in God and in Christ. Let's just pause here. Let this sink in. 
so many churches represented here. I don't know if there would be any list over 500, you know, that have checked in, maybe more. Surely there are dozens of churches represented here. Every one of those local churches is in God the Father. Every local church is in the Lord, is in Jesus, is in Christ. The church, okay, it is important for us to see that the church of God in our locality is of God and in God, of Christ, and in Christ, we need to see. Lord, we pray, Father God, please give us the light to see where we are as a church. Lord, show us, show us now, Lord, where we are. As a church, we are in God the Father. Father, we are in you. You've been waiting for us to realize, Father, that we are in you. And the Lord Jesus Christ, we are in you. The whole church is in you. Lord, lead us to experience this corporately together, to realize this, where we are. We're not just in Grimstadt, we're not just in Edinburgh. We are in the triune God. I don't know what would happen in a meeting if we all saw this at the same time. What kind of release would there be? We leave that to the Spirit. B, for the church to be in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ means that the church is in the triune God. The church is composed of human beings, but they, the believers, are in the triune God. Hi there, human beings, fellow human beings, fellow children of God, warm greetings to you. I'm just so happy that we, all of us together, are in the triune God. Now, section D is of much importance for our experience and realization. The church is a group of human beings who have been born of God the Father with his life and nature and have been brought into the organic union with Christ. This is what a local church is. It's a group of human beings who have been born of God, the Father. That's you and me. And we have his life in nature. And we have been brought into the organic union with Christ. One, for the church to be in God, God must become our Father. And we must have a life relationship with him. Then we have a scripture reference there. 1 John 3, verse 1. And here in a tender way, I'd like to ask you about something. And this something is a matter I've been considering and learning recently. Let me read this verse. To you. That which we have seen and heard, we report also to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 
So here is the tender question. How much fellowship do you have with the Father? Not only with his son, Jesus Christ, with the Father. And I have to admit some things the Lord knows, spiritually speaking, I can be a slow learner. In a certain matter that I've been praying about and others have been praying about for 24 years concerning something very precious and someone very precious. And I just have been praying to the Lord, others joining, praying to the Lord thousands of times. Nothing, no answer. Then gently, I began to sense, talk to the Father about this. The Father's the source. The Father knows your needs. The Son brings you to the Father. Because you're in the Son who is in the Father, you're in the Father. And I've been learning when to just turn. And instead of calling just Lord Jesus to say, Father, I need you. I don't understand my own life. What is going on in this matter or in that matter? And I don't know why the heavens are silent and why you seem to be hidden. But one thing I know is you are my father and you are my God and I am your child. And I don't know what to do except to come to you through your son and in the son and bring what's on my heart to you. I believe the Lord wants to open up a whole new realm for all of us. Not, we shouldn't judge ourselves. Oh, I haven't prayed that. Let's just let it all go. We're learners. We're all learners. The apostles have fellowship with us. They took the lead. And when you enter into the apostles' fellowship, you learn how to have fellowship with the Father and with his Son. And now the whole church can do this. Dear ones, we can learn this together. We can learn with one another. We can learn from one another. Until this becomes our living. The the church is in God the Father. Every aspect of our church life is not only of God. It's in God, and not only in God, in the Father. Didn't the Lord say the Father knows what you need? He knows. Didn't he teach us to pray to the Father? Give us our daily bread. And certain times every week, my wife and I and another sister companion of hers from another part of the earth, We pray intercessory prayers under the Lord's leading. But often at the end, we just turn to the Father. We have human needs. This is our situation. We don't know what to do, how to bear this, how to go on. Father, you know. Just supply us what we need today, okay? One day at a time. It's This is precious beyond words, brothers and sisters. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 1, the word father indicates a relationship in life. In God the Father, we have been born again, regenerated, and now as his children, 
We have a life relationship with him. The Lord gave me a very good and endearing father. Born in poverty. One of 13 children. His father was killed in a mine accident when he was four. He never had a father. His older brother took care of him. His education stopped at the eighth grade. Then he went into a high school to prepare him for his trade at the Ford Motor Company. But I had a life relationship with him. I'm so glad he eventually was born of God and is with him now. Now we have a life relationship with the Father. So tender, so genuine, so precious. The church being in God the Father implies that the church is in God's purpose, plan, selection, and predestination. So now we are involved with, whoa, the Father's will. Didn't the Lord say that in Matthew? That everyone who says, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom, but he who does the will of my Father And it's the Father who has the purpose, the plan. It's the Father who chose us. It's the Father who predestinated us unto sonship. So we're not just in a precious fellowship in life. Now the Father wants us to do his will, to know his will. And just ask us, will you do my will, my plan, my arrangement, my purpose, my goal? This is why I saved you. This is why I created you. Will you do that? We say, yes, Lord. Amen. That's why I'm here. And little C, the church in God the Father is the church in the one who is the unique initiator and originator. This is a very crucial point for all of us. But in a particular way, it's a special point for anyone bearing responsibility in the work, in the ministry, in the church. And that is, only the Father is the source, the originator, the initiator. The Lord said, I think it's in Matthew 15, that the day is coming when every tree that the Father has not planted will be uprooted. So many things. In the world and in the religious sphere, and sorry to say, to some extent, maybe even with us at certain times, things we initiate. We thought about it. This is our personal this and that. Well, this is a very serious matter to learn. The Father is the source. Please allow me to say that's why. I remember that night when we were having the summer training in 1997. And we just had recently had the burial for Brother Lee. And now we're together praying. And I was literally crying out inwardly to the Lord. How will we know what to do from now on? How will we know what will be the material for any conference or training? Brother Lee's gone. Then the Lord in his way 
begin to make it clear. Come to me as the Father. And the Lord covers me to say, weeks and even months ahead of any of the seven feasts. Those of us that are presently involved in preparing the material, we just turn to the Lord, seek the Lord God, wait on the Father. Father, you are the source. Save us from originating anything. You are the only source. And he honors this. How? The river of water of life flowing and the light of life shining and the anointing moving. Then through prayer and fellowship. In the body, we have a clear leading. Then what should the outlines cover? What is the burden? The Lord knows, as your brother, there's a deep, deep longing in my heart that everywhere and every matter in the Lord's recovery, from this point on, we honor the Father as the source and do not originate anything out from ourselves. We want to plant a tree, Christ trees, church trees, that have their source in God. And we are in God the Father. Two, to be in the Lord Jesus Christ is to be united with Christ organically in all that he is and has done. In the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the termination of everything of the old creation. For to be in Christ is to be in his death, the death which terminates all negative things. Many of us can testify. The church life in Christ is a terminating life. And many of us can say with joy, oh, this is how God solves all problems, by the cross. God does not negotiate. God terminates. And so now we are in the crucified Christ by the power of the resurrection Christ, resurrected Christ, we are one with the ascended Christ. But don't be surprised. You spend much time here. You'll be terminated. Bye-bye, old man. Bye-bye, natural constitution. Bye-bye, self. Bye-bye, flesh. Now, resurrection life, light, Christ increasing. Wow. That's part of the church. The title Christ in 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 denotes the riches of resurrection. Thus, to be in Christ is to be in resurrection. No matter how you might feel and how I might feel, right now, we are in resurrection. And this will become very real to us in the midst of all kinds of human circumstances. You will discover that verse I now love in Song of Songs. Love is as strong as death. <clears throat> we will learn from Revelation 1. The Lord said, I am the living one. I was dead and now I'm living forever and ever. And I have the keys of death in Hades. I am resurrection. We are all learning this together. Now the very last point. No, the last two points. The church is in the process trying God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the one who has become the life-giving spirit with the Father and the Son. If we see that the church is in the triune God, we will be different, both in our concept and in our activity. If we see Brothers especially, don't be quick to say, I see, and maybe we just know a doctrine. Let's pray so we can all testify. Lord, we see 
The church is in the triune God. This will change our thoughts. This will change our activity. And all the churches representing here and all the churches on the earth will be renewed and revived and blessed. Dear saints, you are part of the church that is of God. You are members of the church that is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. How blessed you are. Praise God our Father. Praise his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.